So I think, you know, so many of us are so focused and interested on what goes in our mouth, but I think that we should be just as interested in what comes out the other end. Yeah, it is so fascinating to learn what it looks like when your poop does come out and you can tell so much from somebody's um, bowel motions as well. Welcome to the Vitable Wellness Lab, where we welcome experts to discuss the science of health and well-being. My name is Lara Lutati. I am the co-founder and CEO of Vitable. Thanks for tuning in. The information we share is for educational purposes only. Always consult with your health professional before making any changes to your health routine. And today I'm joined by Kate Levins, who is an accredited nutritionist, to discuss the importance of gut health for overall well-being. Hi, Kate. Thanks for joining me today. Really excited to have you. So excited. Thank you for having me. Gut health is a big topic, and mainly because 50% of Australians experience regularly symptoms such as bloating, gas, and constipation. So what exactly is gut health and why is it important for overall well-being? Yeah, so gut health is important, number one, because those conditions are uncomfortable and no one should be experiencing them. But um, what gut health refers to is the huge amount of microorganisms living with inside our gut or our intestines, things like bacteria, viruses and fungi. And a lot of those words, especially like viruses or bacteria, might sound a little bit scary, but there are a lot of healthy bacteria and healthy fungi, maybe not healthy viruses, but healthy bacteria and fungi that live in our gut that should be there. Um, and, and when they are in harmony, will prevent things like gas and bloating and constipation and diarrhea and all of those uncomfortable symptoms that people might experience. Okay, so um, it, does it mean that when they're not in harmony, uh, that, that's where you experience the symptoms? So what are the symptoms or the reasons behind uh, an unhealthy gut? Yeah, an unhealthy gut will present itself with those symptoms that we already mentioned. So yeah, things like gas, bloating, constipation, diarrhea. But the reasons why that may happen are really multifaceted. So you, you might go on a holiday and pick up a bug or a bacteria or a virus, like I said before, and that might be living within your body and letting you know it's there, and obviously we want to get rid of that. But it could also be as complicated as something like stress or some lifestyle practices that we are engaging in that are, you know, not so ideal, um, that have that sort of negative effect on the gut. Yeah, and earlier I was fascinated. You were talking about, um, you know, your poop and how your poop can actually um, mind personally. <laughs> Sorry <laughs> about poop and how it can actually tell you things. It is telling you things mm. about your your gut health. So can you tell us a little bit more about this? Yeah. So I think you know, so many of us are so focused and interested on what goes in our mouth, but I think that we should be just as interested in what comes out the other end. Um, the intestines are like this crazy, amazing long chain that starts at our mouth. Well, actually starts in our brain, but starts in our mouth from a opening perspective and then ends at our anus at the other end. Um, and yeah, it is so fascinating to learn what it looks like when your poop does come out and you can tell so much from somebody's um, bowel motions as well. Um, you know, everything from whether it is liquid or solid or whether it floats or sinks, like there's so much to learn within how it comes out and how it looks when it comes out. That I find it really, really interesting. So what would be um, the, like the, 
the perfect yeah 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 uh, the perfect poop so yeah what you're looking for is something that's sort of like medium brown in color something that is smooth and like a ripe banana <laughs> and um that is easy to pass so like not uncomfortable or yeah anything like that and if um you know people from our audience mm. listen you know when they listen to this what could be um you know some i would say different shapes or different you know, consistency that yeah, they, they, they absolutely. and what does it say about their gut health yeah. p- potentially sure so we we've got two ends of the spectrum and the top end is the hard sort of like rabbit pellet type stool or bowel motions or poop whichever word you like to use um and then with the other end of the spectrum is something like totally liquid like you know thick cream or something that might come out which doesn't sound very nice you know everyone's had a bout of diarrhea once or twice in their life from being sick or something like that so you've got really hard um maybe painful to pass that might be associated with constipation sort of like pellets to then you know a little bit thinner to the ideal poop and then getting like quite liquidy at, at the other end. Yeah. Yeah. And so how does your diet influence gut health and how can you promote a healthy gut microbiome? So yes, diet plays a really big role in optimizing your gut health. Um I know I mentioned before that lifestyle factors can play a big role too and I would say that they're equally responsible to something like diet. But your diet is of course what you're putting into your body. So and that matters and that as i mentioned before we should pay just as much attention to what's coming out as we put in and this is why because you have the opportunity to optimize your gut health by what you choose to put in your mouth so you know whether you're choosing to eat like a fast food fried type meal versus like a whole food meal of you know good quality protein and some nice grains and vegetables and lots of herbs and maybe some nuts on top or something like that obviously that's going to have a difference um with our digestion and maybe if you haven't realized how that feels in your body it's time to do an experiment because i can 100% hand on heart tell you that there is a difference <laughs> with the way that that food will digest and how that will affect your gut health in the long run there are so many things within our diet that we can eat and do to help support our gut. Uh and I would say the main two are our water intake and our fiber intake. Um and it's really sad because we were just looking at some statistics before we hit record and um I think what did I say it was 95% of children and that's like the people that we need to teach and this the next generation that will go on to rule the world um aren't eating the the recommended daily intake of fiber that's and crazy yeah it's really scary yeah and that's in australia mm-hmm. um and and why why is fiber important can you tell us uh, yeah. in very simple terms how fiber works and why it's important for overall well-being on top of gut health i guess yeah absolutely fiber is the thing responsible in our bowel motions to help get them out of the body so we have two different types of fiber that we consume one is soluble fiber and the other is insoluble fiber and the best way to differentiate those is to remember that soluble fiber can be mixed with water and insoluble fiber can't mm-hmm. and that's the exact way that they work in the body too so soluble fiber sources the way that they uh 
um, impact the stool is that they encourage water to they encourage water to draw to them and they work like a sponge mm. and they help draw the stool out by increase like giving the body that water that it needs to help get it out and then insoluble fiber works by adding bulk to the stool and that will help to increase the transit time sorry decrease the transit time so that the stool or the bowel motion comes out faster That's so yeah huge role and like amazingly impactful yeah and yeah. so what are uh, simple steps that um, people can take to increase their fiber intake yeah on I, a daily basis totally and i guess that's a really good question because you hear that but you're like but what what food sources do I need to eat to get these things? And so that's where our plant foods are really helpful. And this is why everyone in your life has banged on to you that you should eat fruits and vegetables uh, because they are primary sources of those fibers. Um, I mean, I'm more than happy to talk about what food sources provide soluble fiber and what food sources provide insoluble fiber. But I almost feel like it's not worth even getting that complicated because if you're eating foods that are plants, that is like not animal products, essentially. I feel like we can draw that black and white line in the sand there. If you're eating plant foods, you're eating fiber. Um, and, and fresh produce. Absolutely. Um, ideally, yeah. But but also like your grains and seeds and nuts and legumes, they're all fiber sources as well. And um, the legumes and grains and nuts and seeds are more so those insoluble fibers. Like you can imagine. And I think everyone's had an experience once or twice in their life maybe eating like a nut that is not entirely digested and you might see it come out the other end or something like that. So that's a really good uh a uh, really good way to visualize what that insoluble fiber looks like, something that doesn't break down very easily, but still plays such a vital and important role in helping to form the stool and push your motions out your bowel. Yeah. yeah. And so would a practical example of adding perhaps soluble and insoluble fiber yeah. in, your, in your diet would be to have a smoothie? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you could totally have a smoothie, but if smoothie's not your thing or it's the middle of winter and something cold is just not what you feel like, a soup um, that has, you know, like, you know, let's just talk about the fundamental basics of, you know, some good quality meals. So, like, a smoothie might have two pieces of fruit and maybe a vegetable if you're feeling cool. Um, <laughs> some kind of milk or liquid to blend, and then you might use protein powder or you might use hemp seeds or chia seeds or something like that. And that's like a beautiful way of getting more fiber and also more micronutrients um, into your diet. Something like a soup, you might have like, you know, your onions and your garlic and you choose your vegetables. You might add some lentils or some barley. And like all of these things are just a beautiful ways of increasing that fiber, but then also providing so many other benefits. Um, even if you were having like a salad or a curry, like, you know, they they all form the basis of increasing the intake of fiber because they are like culturally uh, traditional to use those sorts of fiber rich ingredients. And it's not because they just wanted to, it's because they all serve this amazing purpose. And I think it's so easy to get complicated and like confused and like bogged down on like, oh, I need to include this type of fiber and I need to do this and I need to do that. But it's like, no, just like go back to basics. Like when in doubt, go and eat the dish that your grandma cooked you when you were a child because every like they had it right back then. And I think that's what makes it so confusing now is that we've come so far from what 
we didn't question yeah, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Yeah. yeah. So like um, a curry packed with vegetables or like a chili perhaps yeah. could be good, good dinners. Absolutely. That, that are yeah, fiber, super fiber rich. Exactly. And like uh, never fear that, feel that you have to separate your like animal or your like protein from your fiber. Like eat them together. Um, synergy is always best for digestion anyway. And like the body is designed to pull the bits and pieces out from your meals that you need and like do with them what it needs um so, so start start easy and and don't over complicate yeah exactly make- exactly like you're probably already eating these things and you you don't need to know the ins and outs but you know if you are someone that's struggling this is the kind of information that can be really helpful yeah and I, I was thinking for our audience, you know, some people may have experienced for years now um, some symptoms such, such as bloating or, you know, gas or um, constipation, perhaps regularly or perhaps uh, cyclically. Mm. And it might just seem too hard, as you said, to try to, you know, do it perfectly and incorporate uh, this and that. And so, as you said, your advice is to start with something, you know, start small or go back to the basics. Yeah. But I'd like to help people understand um, how poor digestion actually impacts their overall health Health. and well-being. So what are the other symptoms that you may be experiencing or what are the potential long-time effects of not taking care of your gut? Yeah, I feel like we have to start this by saying that these sorts of symptoms, I feel, are so much more common now because there are we have so many more things that we feel we need to do every day or like we see this perfect life of someone depicted on Instagram who's like you know waking up and doing their meditation and making their hot tea and sipping it slowly and mindfully and writing in their gratitude journal and we see that and we're like oh my god I have to do those four things before I like get up and go to work and do the thing that I get paid for doing to put food on the table for my family and then I have dinner with my friends. And You know, I've, I think right now, these days, in the last 10 years or so, we feel like we have to do so much more than we are simply because we have more exposure to seeing what other people are doing. Like we never had that insight into people's lives. And so just basic things like drinking water, slowly and mindfully and regularly throughout the day um, eating away from phones and screens uh, and like eating around like a dinner table or the lunch table or whatever with your colleagues or your friends or your family at meal times doesn't happen as often as it used to so I think that that is a huge part of why people are seeing these sorts of symptoms regularly now and that maybe we didn't hear like our grandparents talking about these things. Um, so yeah, never forget to do the basic things first. And I and I think that like if you can simply drink water more regularly throughout the day, so we the ideal um, hydration occurs by drinking three sips every fifteen minutes. If you're a metrics kind of person. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, and if you take the time to slowly, mindfully eat your meals away from your phone and away from television and away from your laptop while you're at work or whatever, then I think that that's a really helpful thing to do as well. And it sounds so basic, but like, I mean, I do it all all the time too. Like we think we're too busy, but we're not. Um, it's a really good thing to prioritize. So I feel like I I just wanted to start by saying that because I think that that's a huge like answer to a lot of the common symptoms that people might have definitely yeah 
but in terms of your your main question was like what sorts of things can we do to optimize our gut health it's more if you don't optimize your gut health or if you're experiencing yeah. the symptoms, what else can be happening to your uh, overall health and well-being in the short term or long term? Yeah. So I'm thinking yeah. you may have uh, lower energy levels than the one you could have if you had mm. a good digestion. And what does that mean if you continue having these issues perhaps for 10 more years? Yeah, exactly. Well, even f- it, it's not even – I mean, 10 years would be really sad because I feel like our bodies always try and – tell us when there's an issue and when the body starts shouting is when we really have to be worried. Um, But I suppose the main effects that this would have in the body if you like have constipation or diarrhea or bloating or gas that goes like undiagnosed or unfixed, if you will, for such a long time, um, it does have a lot, it does have a longer term effect on the body because your digestive system should you should literally be able to pull it out of your body and hold it up and it should be able to function outside of your body. Our body is just like its beautiful protective casing so that it doesn't have to like withstand the elements of life. Um, but And the reason I say that is because the your intestines and your digestive system are made of these like beautiful tight junctions that have that nature in, in entirety. Like you know how like a banana has a skin? And it's quite like firm and protective of that banana so that even if it's like battered in the bottom of a school bag, when you peel it, it's still quite like perfect and yellow inside. That's what, that's how we want to imagine our dig- our intestines and our digestive system. But problems can start to occur when we like thrash our bodies around with stress or, you know, poor lifestyle choices, like lack of sleep or just not eating ideal foods, not not remembering those kinds of meals that we ate when we were children or like made by our grandparents or whatever. Um, And that can start to cause like openings within these beautiful tight junctions that I mentioned within the intestines. And when those intestines start to open and it start, um, it's like it prevents that beautiful protective nature. And um, it means that, your intestines start leaking into your bloodstream, which sounds disgusting, and that causes inflammation. And inflammation is the root cause of all disease. So, yeah, you can see how that could have like a huge knock-on effect in the body in many other ways. So you could have some toxins going through to your bloodstream, yep. which would otherwise actually not uh, not go through. Yeah, exactly. And then obviously if it, if it goes into your bloodstream, as you say, it can um, um, add to inflammation, mm-hmm. which can in the longer term lead to other health issues, essentially. That's right. That's right. Um, and reduce energy levels, yeah. perhaps um, not help your body adapt to stress, all these things that can happen. Yeah, exactly. Well, optimal, optimal digestion is going to increase your energy levels and then that in turn is going to give you the energy that you need to do the things that you might like to do like exercise or like um you know just go and have that fun day with your friends or whatever like you know no one wants to feel like they need to catch up on sleep on saturday morning when they could be out having fun. Definitely. And, um, and I think that the, the issue as well with these symptoms that, you know, again, gas, bloating, cramping, is that they kind of take over sometimes. You think about them all day or, you know, you're very uncomfortable, especially for bloating. I think mm. it's things that we've all experienced. Yeah. And um, it doesn't 
allow you to just as you said like enjoy the rest of your day yeah. and that's that's very sad and it's something yeah. that um i think a lot of people go through so it's important to to address those symptoms uh, when you can so you can also um yeah increase your energy levels mm-hmm. and just reduce discomfort yeah exactly um but what is uh, optimal you were talking about optimal digestion mm-hmm. what is optimal bowel movement do do we need to actually go to the bathroom every day yeah we do we definitely do i would i would say i would like everyone to go to the bathroom at least once a day to do a poo that is yeah. you can weigh many times a day but to have a bowel motion yes you need to go at least every day and sometimes that really shocks people um because i think we can feel our own version of normal and experience that for many many years um And I'm not here to discredit like somebody's own lived experience by any means, but it, it there is a lot of research to support the the fact that we need to go to the toilet every single day. Um, and especially if you're eating regularly, if you're eating three meals a day, you should be going to the bathroom at least once a day to do a poo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's interesting because yeah. it's not necessarily yeah common knowledge. Mm. Or as you said, we may normalize not mm. not doing that. But again, I think that. My understanding is that yeah. um, the slow, slower the f- your food goes through you, yes. <laughs> or uh, or uh, the more it stays in your body or your intestine, the more likely it is that toxins will be released into your your bloodstream, and 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 that's why you need to to go regularly so this doesn't happen. Is that correct? Or? No, not so much that toxins will be re- released into your bloodstream, but it's more so just that. I mean, even just the thought for me of having a meal like sit in my body for longer than 24 hours is kind of wild. And transit time is the name that we give to the idea that some how of the not the idea, but the length of time that it takes for something to pass through your body. And the average transit time for people is around 12 to say 34, 36 hours. Um, so it's like a day and a half, which isn't very long. Like you don't really want to think about yesterday's breakfast being in your body for longer than a day and a half um but why is that why is it uh, not ideal just that we want to we don't want to have like you that has to sit somewhere in the body like imagine if you had like four meals in mm. your belly all at once not that that's what happens because obviously the um digestive system is super complex and there are many different organs within it that are working to do things at different times to like you know the small intestine pulls out nutrients from your food and like either stores them for later or use or uses them immediately for different functions or um and then the 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 large intestine is where like waste is made uh and so that will the waste creation will happen so that like the different parts of your meal different components of your meal are separated into urine and bow and poo bow <laughs> and um then that will take that's where the transit time occurs and where uh your feces is stored until it's ready to be released the reason is not because of this it's because that's just how it is mm. you know like it's pretty black and white like you just need you don't want to have food sitting in your body for that long because that's the way that the body is designed like it's designed to remove food from your body that you eat within that time. Yeah, Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, And so you touched very uh, earlier on uh, stress and and lifestyle factors. So how can stress impact your your gut health or bowel movement? Yeah, well, it can be either end of the extreme. You know, we talked about that top end being like a more constipated bowel motion and the bottom end being a more diarrhea type 
bowel motion. But um, and stress can like help make that go either way. Like you're either, I feel like a lot of people fall into one camp or the other, or not. I mean, everyone's so complex, and you can't. I couldn't like split the room in fifty fifty and say you're that and you're that. But um, stress can cause either diarrhea or constipation, and the reason that those are problems is because constipation is you know causing like a blockage of keeping that food in your system for longer than it needs to or should be there for, whereas diarrhea is eliminating from the body too fast and so therefore your small intestine's not really getting that opportunity for the digestion and absorption and utilisation of the nutrients from the food that we eat. So it's kind of like a waste, you know, like you have to eat so much more to keep up with the body's demands. Um, whereas if we can just like implement some of those strategies, like being mindful around food and like eating with people and being relaxed and like taking a few deep breaths before our meal begin, before we start to eat our meal, then we can really kind of change the course of that, um, digestive experience. Uh, I mean, you know, there's a lot of reasons why people are stressed, uh, and some of them are really valid. I think we have to understand the perception of our stress and like step away from the stress or a little bit like totally understandable if you you know there's there's a lot of reasons why we might be stressed we might there might be someone in our life that's really sick that we have to care for and we literally fear for their life versus like us having to submit a report by 5 p.m like the perception of that stress not to discredit the stress from the person that's feeling it but like one of them is obviously more stressful in the long run than the other, mm. right? Mm. I don't know. I don't want to feel like I'm mean by saying that, but I just think it's an important task to just step away from our stress a little bit yeah. and, like, think about how stressful it really is in the big picture. We're, like, going through a pretty horrible time in the world right now. It's, like, hard to even talk about trivial things anyway. Um, so that's like mm. kind of a good time to, to think about it, I suppose. But um, definitely, yeah, no, I understand, and yeah. and uh, and it's you know it's it's important to to um, we're not saying that people should not be stressed. We're saying that if they are, then it's important to acknowledge why and yeah. try to um, manage that as much as as possible. And that's just to to try to. Um, yeah, to try to manage the the overall health and well being essentially. So exactly. there are strategies to to try to manage it or reduce stress. Yeah, exactly. And and it's important. We encourage essentially people to look at those to to implement a couple of things to to help them. And I like yeah. the idea of eating mindfully. I, mm. I think that a lot of time we just grab something and eat in front of our computer, or we're not really mindful of what's happening. Yeah. And um, and just taking you know twenty minutes mm. to. Um, to see it and maybe sit in the properly, sun if you exactly. can, yeah. uh, chew properly mm-hmm. and think about the meal that you're you're putting in your body is a, is a really good way to kind of um, create more positivity around food and yeah. perhaps even have a better digest, digestion experience. experience. Yeah. yeah, I think it's worth mentioning as well that digestion actually starts in the brain, not in the stump, in the mouth or the belly or anything. It, uh, the, the, the form of digestion that starts in the brain is called cephalic digestion. And you know, like when you're walking down the street at five o'clock and you can smell someone sauteing onions and garlic and you're like, mm, yum. <laughs> everyone, everyone surely has that, had that experience. That is cephalic digestion starting. So when you're cooking a meal, 
in your home for your family or even just for yourself that you're starting the process of digestion at that time when you're like chopping ingredients and sweating off onions or whatever but even if you're going out to dinner or you've rocked up at someone's house and they've made you a meal but just by sitting with that meal in front of you and like smelling it and thinking about how that food might taste in your mouth or you know thinking about the flavors that you might taste when that food hits your tongue that is starting the digestive process in a really positive way and is that linked to sometimes when you when you feel when you get uh, produce saliva I guess yes, in your mouth yes correct and, that's yeah. exactly what happens so that's that's the mechanical action of mm. cephalic digestions like your body starts to salivate your mouth starts to salivate and then that um, and we can get really technical but I don't think that's what we're here for today but um, yeah then your that will produce a really nice like onset effect to the rest of the body mm. to tell your stomach that food is coming and to tell the stomach to release acid to help digestion of food and to tell the small intestine that nutrients are coming and it can replenish its stores and to tell fascinating the, yeah it so is. It basically by eating mindfully you're helping your body being aware mm. of what's happening that's right and so it can actually produce the right enzymes or yeah. um, digestive things yes. to, uh, to help you digest properly <laughs> right. whereas if you're focused on something else that may not happen and then that may lead to digestive discomfort exactly later on i feel like everyone's had an experience where they maybe like don't eat or they eat more because they're not being focused and paying attention exactly. you feel like some people are really stressed and they don't eat and then they like faint because they're so t hungry and then other people might like eat a whole bag of chips and be like oh wow where did that go and you don't <laughs> feel full that's or right, that's because right. you're you are actually haven't yet let your body mm. know of what's happening that's right and so perhaps just to conclude what mm. would be um i think interesting to understand is how can um how does exercise maybe impact your your gut health and um is are there ways for people who experience you know some bloating or cramping or constipation to uh, utilize exercise, exercise in order to yeah. improve those symptoms well maybe to start with bloating and cramping and like that sort of discomfort there's lot i mean i'm not like an exercise specialist by any means but just on a basic level there's lots of beautiful stretches that you can do and gentle exercises that you can do to help encourage bowel motions to be released if you will because often when we're cramping or we're bloating it's because we need to get something out um and uh anything that's like a a twist for the trunk region of your body like gentle side twists or um even like a little dance or something is can be really helpful um and that's just because we're like giving that it's like you know when you want really want to get a message into someone you want to like shake them like that's what we need to do for the body and the mm. intestines sometimes too um but i think when it comes to bloating and cramping we want that exercise to be like really calming and we want the body to think that, to remember that it's safe to do the very natural thing that it needs to do by releasing um releasing our bowel motions yeah So yeah, like gentle yoga and gentle stretches are really, can be really helpful. And then but in doing that, you're also remembering to breathe <laughs> and breathe slowly and effectively. And all of it has a flow on effect. Yeah. Um, and then I guess on a, on a more physical level with like more like higher intensity exercise, running and 
you know, crunches and ab work and things like that, any exercise is going to help uh, to increase the lo- decrease, sorry, the transit time of that bowel motion and help get things moving, like reduce that stagnancy within the body and help get things moving. So at least as a minimum, perhaps a, a daily walk could help yeah, someone get a, a regular bowel movement. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, some gentle stretches or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And all of it has like such a huge flow and effect to the rest of your overall health yeah and it's going to make you feel happier and you're going to also feel happier when that when you have that bowel motion everyone knows that feeling of a good poo it's, uh, <laughs> it literally it, makes you happy <laughs> it reminds me of uh, of uh, children celebrating when that happens absolutely right? toilet training that's on my radar right now <laughs> <laughs> amazing well thank you so much Kate, for your for your time thank um you. it was amazing and i'm sure lots of uh, interesting uh, insights for our audience yeah I so hope thank so. you thank you <laughs>